for him allowing us to come into his presence through praise and worship. Take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn with us to Mark chapter number 8. And I'm going to be looking primarily today at one verse, verse number 34. In this one verse, the Lord Jesus gives us some foundational truth that all of us need to get a hold of. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 34. He says something here that I love. Look what it says in verse 34 there. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them. So I want you to get the picture. You have a crowd of people. Um, in the original language, it would have been a throng of people, which means a great multitude. So you have a great multitude of people that have gathered around the Lord Jesus, and they're hearing him preach and teach the word of God. Now, in this group of people, in this multitude, this throng of people, it's divided into two groups. The Bible says that his disciples were there with him. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is nothing more than a follower of Jesus. That's what the word actually means. And when we think of disciples, my mind automatically goes back to James and John and Peter and Andrew and Matthew and those original 12 disciples. And certainly that's who the Bible is speaking of here. But now I want you to know something. They are disciples for one reason. They are disciples because they have trusted in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. They've trusted in the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. They've trusted in the fact that he came to do for them what they themselves could not do for themselves. And so, listen to me. Because they have placed their faith in Christ, now they are following him. Now they are, listen, doing what he does. That's what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus. So when we think about disciples, certainly we think about Peter and James and John and Matthew and Andrew and all of the original 12. But I want you to know something, folks. Listen to me. We need to also think of disciples today who are first and foremost trusted in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God and God the Son. For those this morning that have been blood-bought, sanctified, born again into the family of God, those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, because we have trusted in Christ, now we follow Him. Can you say amen? So not only do I think of Peter and James and John and Matthew and Andrew and all of those original disciples, I think of Eugene and I think of Becca and I think of Brandy and I think of Steve and I think of Agnes. We too are disciples of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because we've placed our faith in who He is. He's changed us. He's made a difference on the inside that's made a difference on the outside. Can you say amen? amen? And so because of that, listen, this scripture is just as real for us as it was for the day for, for them when Jesus spoke it there in Mark chapter number 8. So you have the disciples, but let me tell you something else. You also have the crowd. I'm going to call that group potential disciples. Now, all of the ones standing there are potential followers of the Lord Jesus. All it takes is them trusting in who He is for them to be born again and begin their relationship with Christ throughout their life. 
Now listen, folks. The same crowd that was there in Mark chapter number 8 is the same crowd that's here this morning. This morning, we have a large multitude of people. We've got a lot of folks here, and I'm thankful for it. Praise God for you. Thankful that you're here today. I know God's got something for each and every one of us for both crowds. God's got something for the disciples this morning, those who have trusted in Jesus. But God also has something for the potential disciples this morning. See, if you're here and you have not yet trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you have not yet been born again, then let me say something. Potentially, today is the day. Today is the date for you to trust in Jesus and begin your journey with him. So just like in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34, in that crowd that was divided into two groups, today we have a crowd that's been divided into two groups. You're either here this morning as a disciple or a potential disciple. And Jesus gives us some truth that we need to get a hold of. He says something, Mark 8, 34. He says, if you're going to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, watch this now, and follow me. This morning, my message, I want to give you three steps to effective following. Three steps to effective following. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and I'm so thankful that, Lord, you have done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, today I'm thankful for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. I'm thankful that your word promises that you never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, I know today you are here with me. Lord, I'm trusting that you are going to speak to me and speak through me your word to your people. These folks don't need to hear what I have to say, Lord. They need to hear straight from heaven this morning. So we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would take complete control of this service. Lord, you would use me as your vessel. You would fill me up and pour me out into the lives of people here, Lord, because I can't do it. Lord, I can preach truth, but I can't impart truth. I can give them what you say, but you can make what you say real to each and every one. And Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to do that in these services today. Lord, have your way. Have your will. May you be honored and glorified in everything that happens right here today. In Jesus' Jesus' mighty name, show us what it means to follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, I want to ask you a question. And again, I'm primarily going to be speaking to the disciple, to the blood-bought, the born-again, the sanctified. But if you are here and are a potential disciple, then today is certainly the day that you can trust in Jesus and begin your journey. But primarily, I'm going to be speaking to those who have trusted in Christ. And I want to ask you a question before we get started. A question that I have to answer and you have to answer as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. Are you surviving or are you thriving? Because the truth is, that's where we're either in one of two camps. Either we're just surviving and getting by and going through the motions or we're thriving in our walk with the Lord. Now, what does it mean to survive? Well, it just means that we're just hanging on. See, I think that's the mindset that we get in from time to time as the people of God. We're just going to hang on till Jesus comes. We're just going to endure life so that when we get to heaven, we can start enjoying the blessing of our salvation. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. It is absolutely the truth that there is going to be times in each and every one of our lives as believers that we are going to have to endure some hardships. 
There's going to be times in our lives when we go through trials and tribulations and yes, even persecutions for our faith. But you also need to understand and know that for the believer, even in the midst of enduring great trial, tribulation, and even persecution, you can still have joy and thrive for our hope is in Christ. Amen. So I want you to, I want to, you've got to answer that question. Are you merely surviving and just getting by or are you thriving in your walk in your own individual ministry with Jesus because God wants you to thrive see he saved you for much more than for you to just hang on and get by he's not saved you to merely survive but to thrive See, a lot of people believe that our eternal life begins when we get to heaven. That it's only in heaven that we're going to start experiencing the great blessing of being a child of God. Folks, how do you understand? Your eternal life does not start when you get to heaven. Your eternal life began at the moment you trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior. Right then and right there, God the Holy Spirit indwelled you. You became the temple of God. And from that moment on, you are able to enjoy Enjoy your eternal life. Real life. Abundant life that Jesus promises in John chapter 10 and verse number 10. John 3, 16, you all know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, what? Shall have everlasting life. So when do you receive everlasting life? At the moment you believe. At the moment you trust in Jesus. So guess what? You don't have to merely survive. You don't have to just hang on. You don't have to just endure. I want you to know you can thrive in your walk with Jesus, and we should be thriving. But for us to thrive, for me to thrive, and for you to thrive as disciples, we've got to learn to follow. We've got to learn to follow. Because following Jesus is what's going to bring about the blessing that we're all searching for in our walk with him. We have to learn to follow. So I want to give you three simple steps to following Jesus this morning that will change your life if you apply it to yourself and put it into practice. Number one, if we are going to follow Jesus, then we must pray. I want you to know that Jesus was a man of prayer. You don't have to look far to find it. You find it all throughout the Gospels. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find reference to Jesus praying, teaching people to pray, or commanding people to pray. Let me give you just a few of them. I searched them out this week. Listen, uh, we see in Scripture that Jesus prays when He's alone. We see that in Matthew 14, verse number 23, Mark 135, Luke 9, 18, Luke 22, verses 39 through 41. Not only is he praying alone, but he also prays in public. We find it in John 11, 41 through 42, John 12, 27 through 30. He prays before meals, Matthew 26, 26, Mark 8, 6, Luke 24, 30, and John 6 and 11. He prays before important decisions. Listen to this, child of God. You need to pray before important decisions, for Jesus did that, Luke 6, 12 through 13. He prays before healing, Mark 7, verses 34 through 35. He prays after healing. I love that. Luke 5, 16. He prays to do his Father's will, Matthew 26, verses 36 through 44. Jesus taught on prayer 12 times throughout the Gospels. The New Testament references of Jesus praying, teaching on prayer, or commanding us to pray is 68 separate references all throughout the New Testament. So I think we could say, according to the Word of God, Jesus was a man of prayer.
Now, if we are going to follow him, we've got to do what he did. We've got to do what we see on the pages of Scripture. And so if we're going to be an effective follower of Christ, we must be men and women of prayer. We must follow him in the discipline of prayer. Now listen, we certainly pray so that we might be like Jesus. How many of you know, listen to me folks, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. His main goal for coming to this world was to save the sinner. I'm going to say that again. You must not have heard me. His main goal for coming to this earth was to save the sinner. Amen. Amen. That's what we're celebrating Christmas for. God gave us the gift of his son so that we all might be saved. Praise God. So I'm thankful that he came to save. But how many you know he also came to be our supreme example as to what it means to live a godly life pleasing unto the heavenly father. And so we pray that we might be like Jesus, our example. But now listen, that's not the only reason we pray. We pray also because of the benefits of prayer. We pray to be like Jesus, but we pray for the benefits of praying. Now what is the benefits of praying? I want to give you three of them. For three of them that start with the P. I like using P. Listen, uh, the, the benefits of prayer are first of all, prayer is a privilege. If you believe it, say amen. I want you to think about something. This morning, I woke up right at daybreak, about 5.45, 5.50. And when I got up out of the bed, I walked over to my window and opened up the curtains, and the sun was just coming above the trees. And it was a beautiful sunrise this morning. Anybody else catch it? I mean, it was awesome. And I sat there for a moment, and I just started thinking. The same God who spoke that sun into the sky is the same one I call my heavenly Father. Can you say amen? amen. And if you're a child of God, if you've been born again into God's family, that's the same one you call your heavenly Father. And so when I think about the privilege of prayer, I think about how awesome it is that I am able as a mere mortal, just a regular guy, I am able to any time I choose, speak to the God of heaven, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign God of the universe. I can talk to him whenever I choose. For my Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, I can come boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need. You can too. Prayer is a great privilege that we ought to take advantage of. Children of God. I'm going to tell you, if there's one thing I want for Mount Zion Baptist Church, if there's one prayer I have for Mount Zion Baptist Church, is that we would be a people of prayer. You say, oh, brothers, don't you mean, don't you want to see people saved? Absolutely. But that's not my main objective. That, no, brothers, don't you want to see uh, the, the church grow? Absolutely. But let me say something to you. What I want more than anything else is that we be a people of prayer. For a praying people is a powerful people. And when the power of God is evident among the people of God, you ain't got to worry about people getting saved. You ain't got to worry about your church growing. When God's power is working and moving and blessing and changing hearts and changing lives, He's going to do it right. Can you say? Amen. But it starts with people who are desperate for the Lord. 
It starts with people who are praying people. For again, praying people are powerful people. And a praying church is a powerful church. So, let's take advantage of the privilege of prayer. E.M. Bounds has wrote, written several books on prayer. and He's a great theologian. Let me tell you what he said about prayer. He said, to talk to men about God is great. But to talk to God on behalf of men is greater still. Did you catch that? Great thing to witness and evangelize and talk to people about the Lord. And we're going to do that. We need to be doing that. But let me tell you what we better do before we do anything else. We better start talking to God on behalf of men. You got somebody you want to see saved? You start talking to God on their behalf. You got children you want to see on fire for Jesus? You start talking to God uh, on their behalf. You want to see your church grow? You start talking to God on their behalf. You want better preaching from your pastor? You start talking to God on my behalf. Like I've said before, folks, if you want better preaching, I need better praying. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. I want to see God do a work in this place, among this people, in this community that only He can do. But I can promise you, we can do a lot of things after we pray, but we can do nothing effectively before we pray. Prayer is a great privilege. A privilege that we ought to take advantage of. But not only is prayer a privilege, we get to talk to the sovereign God of the universe anytime we choose. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, but you also need to understand prayer is powerful. It changes things. Can you say it again? I believe we ought to start pushing. I remember one time in B at BBS, we made some shirts, and that's what it said, push. And it, was, it stood for praying until something happens. And I think that's what we need to do, what we ought to do. Realizing that prayer changes things, whatever it might be. When you choose to pray, the power of God is released upon your situation. Why is prayer powerful? Well, I'll tell you why. Everybody take your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. Watch this. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 14. Brothers, can you put this on the screen for me, please? You need, to, you need to underline this verse. If you already, already got it underlined, write it down in your notes. Put a star by it, circle it. Write it on your heart, memorize it. Because I'm telling you, this is good stuff. And every follower of Christ needs to hear this. Look. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we speak anything according to His will. Watch this now. He heareth us. Everybody say, God hears you. Now listen to me, folks. God hears His children. You say, brothers, I don't always feel like God's hearing me. I mean, I pray and 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 it just seems like God's not hearing my prayer. I don't feel as though my prayers are reaching above the ceiling. That's okay because God is below the ceiling. Is He in heaven? Absolutely. But you know what? He's omnipresent. He is as close as our next breath. Now don't get me wrong. And this is a different message for a different day. But let me say to you. There are certainly things in your life that can hinder your prayer. Unconfessed sin can hinder your prayer. 
Unfaithfulness to the things of God can hinder your prayer. A lot of you are praying about stuff and you wonder why God didn't answer because you ain't faithful. A lot of you are praying about stuff and you wonder why God didn't answer because you've got sin in your life that God's not pleased with you. It's got unconfessed sin. Let me tell you what else will hinder your prayer according to the Word of God. When you've got hard feelings toward your spouse, when you're at odds with one another, your husband and your wife, that, can, that will hinder your prayer according to the book of 1 Peter. So there's a lot of things that can and do hinder our prayers. But now listen, as children of God, we should always trust that God hears us. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Now listen to me. You've got to get to the place in your life, child of God, where you start trusting in the truth instead of your feelings. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you why. Because your feelings are fleeting. That means they change like the wind. My feelings can be compromised by the smallest of things. One of my favorite things in the world is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Anybody else like Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Brothers and sisters, I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And if you don't love Cinnamon Toast Crunch, get in this altar and get your heart right because God's grace is available for you. It's awesome. I love it. Now let me tell you one of my rituals not as much as of late because of we, we went on this low-carb diet, but used to, let me tell you what I used to do all the time. Every Saturday morning, my ritual was to get up, put a pot of coffee on, get in the shower. As soon as I got out of the shower, I would come in, fix me a big bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and a big, pot, a big old uh, cup of coffee. And man, just sat there and enjoy the morning. It was fantastic. So I get up one Saturday morning, go put the pot of coffee on, get in the shower, get out of the shower, get open up the cabinet, get the, out the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Pour me a big old bowl of cereal. Go over to the refrigerator, open up the door, pick up the milk jug, and guess what? Somebody has put the milk jug back in the refrigerator with about that much milk in it. And I'm going to tell you, I went from being way up here and having a great morning to being way down here. And my feelings were changed. Because of cereal. Your feelings, they change like the wind. Amen? You don't believe me? You're going to leave here today, man. We're going to leave here being happy in Jesus. The Spirit of God's done been with us this morning. We've met with the people of God and the power of God and the place of God, getting in the Word of God, and that'll be all good and great and wonderful. But let me tell you something. You pull out in that road out there and let somebody cut you off, and just like that, because of your circumstances, your feelings will change. Amen? You've got to watch yourself. I'm just saying, your feelings Change like the wind. Quit trusting in your feelings and trust in what God says. And when he says he's listening for your prayer, listen, trust him and pray. Amen. Amen. Prayer, it's powerful because God hears us. But how do you know it's also powerful because he's able? Ephesians 3.20 Unto him 
that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's an amazing verse that you again need to write on your heart and remember and let because that lets all of us know that God is able to do all things. He's able. You know what I'm praying for? We, we've prayed and we've sought God about this new building program. You know why we prayed for a year? You remember us doing that? We met together and we said, you know what? We feel that's kind of the direction that God's leading us in. And so we're going to pray and ask God and make sure. And for a year we prayed about it before we'd done anything. And at the end of that year, we came back together having prayed about God's will and, and having received the answer individually that God had given us. We made a vote and we voted that that's what we thought God wanted us to do. And what I'm praying for is the God who led us to build the building will fill the building so that we'll have to build another one. Amen. You may tell you why I pray that. Because He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I've got lost friends and lost loved ones that need Jesus. And I know they need Jesus. I know if they don't get Jesus, they're going to bust hell wide open. So you know what I've been doing? I've been praying for them. And I'm praying that God touches their heart and breaks their heart just like He broke mine. Brings conviction to them that they can't get any rest from. And I'm praying that the God of heaven does a work in them that only He can do. Now why do I pray that? Because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all we can ask or think. You say, well, brother, you just don't know my loved ones. I mean, I got some roughnecks. Praise God, so do I. We've all got them. I've seen God break hard hearts and do what only he's capable of. He'll do it. He's able. So we pray not only because it's a privilege, because there's power in it. Adrian Rogers says the only thing outside the power of prayer is that which is outside the will of God. Woo! That's awesome. That's good. That's true. And guess what? If it's outside the will of God, I don't need it anyway. Because God's will is the best way for you and me. He who knows us best loves us most. He knows the plans and the purposes that He has for us. A plan to, to prosper us and not to harm us. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm going to trust His will. And I'm going to keep praying big prayers. Small prayers. Because to God, they're all small prayers. I mean, if he can speak the sun into the sky, what is there in my life that he can't take care of? We pray for it because it's our privilege. We pray because it's, listen, prayer is powerful, but we pray also because prayer is personal. And I love this one. You know, I've got some great brothers in Christ right here in this building. I love this brother right here, and I appreciate you, sir. You know that? I love you, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I got great brothers and sisters all over this building I'm thankful for. I know that whatever would be going on in my life, all I'd have to do is call them and they'd be there for me. I know that. I believe that. I really do. But there are some things that I can't talk to my, even my closest friend. And that's my closest friend, my wife. I love her with everything in me. 
She's my best friend, humanly speaking, in this world. But there's some things I can't even talk to her about. But I'm thankful that prayer is so personal that the things I can't talk to nobody else about, fears and problems and temptations that nobody else might understand, God understands. Amen. You know why? Because the Bible says we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was tested in every point just like we are, yet he did it without sin. That means he came and walked in the flesh, lived in the flesh, and went through what I go through and was tempted with what I am tempted with. And now I can come to him and he understands where I'm coming from. He is truly the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's personal. And my prayer to him is personal. And listen, his prayers for me is personal. You say, brothers, what are you talking about? Well, take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, watch. This is going to blow your mind. How many know we serve a triune God? Let me say it again. How many know we serve a triune God? We have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit. All three God with three distinct personalities, but still just, just as much God. See, God the Father is just as much God as God the Son. God the Son is just as much God as God the Holy Spirit. All three one, all three God. He reveals himself differently in three personalities, but they're all three God. Now, you know God prays for you. Watch. Romans chapter 8. Look down with me at verse number 26. Likewise... The Spirit, that means God the Holy Spirit, also helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Has there been times in your life when you've just prayed that you've prayed out? I mean, you've prayed everything you know to pray. And you don't know what else to say anymore. You don't know where to go. I've been there. Watch. But the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, Watch this. Itself makes intercession for us. That means when you don't even know how you should pray or what you should pray, God the Holy Spirit prays for you. That's personal. He prays for my needs and your needs. I pray to him and he prays for me. Wow. This is amazing. That's what a relationship to God is all about. Amen. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to be a man and woman of prayer. But let me tell you something else. You've also got to listen. You've got to pray if you're going to be a follower of Christ. But you're going to be a follower of Christ, you've got to listen. And you need to listen. Listen to me now. To the truth. Amen. Now what did that look like for Jesus? Well for Jesus. That meant as he prayed. And got along with his heavenly father. God the, his heavenly father. Spoke to him. Being in this earth. By the power and person of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact. John chapter 15. Everybody turn over there with me. I just want, I want you to see this. Because I want you to know I'm telling you the truth. John chapter number 15. And look with me at verse number 15. 
Jesus is getting ready to go back to his heavenly Father. Watch what it says, John 15, 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all the things, watch this now, that I have heard of my Father, watch, I have made known to you. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, as I have listened to my heavenly Father, I've made all that truth that he gave me known to you. So evidently, Jesus was continually listening for the voice of the Father. Can you say amen? amen. The voice of truth. You say, brother, how do we listen to God? Because I can promise you God's speaking. A lot of times we don't hear because we're so caught up in everything else, we don't hear what God is trying to say to us, and we're not quiet enough along to, uh, uh, long enough to listen, but God is truly wanting to speak to hearts. Now, how does he do it? Well, he does it through his precious word. Amen. That, that's why it's so vitally important that you get plugged into your local church. That's why it's so vitally important that you're in a service like this hearing the word of God. That's why it's so vitally important that you're in Sunday school and your kids are in Sunday school because they're getting a hold of the truth of the Word of God. That's why it's so vitally important that you're here on a Sunday night because we're getting in the Word of God. That's why it's so vitally important that you're here on a Wednesday night because we're getting in the Word of God. Folks, listen to me. As you hear the truth, the truth changes you. Praise God, it sets you free. That's why it's so vitally important that you spend that daily devotion time. You, you, you set aside that time to get along with Jesus. God speaks to you through his precious word. You got to be willing to listen. Amen. Isn't it amazing how God speaks to you sometimes? We know he does it according to his word, but he has many different vehicles he uses to get the word to you. A lot of times he can come through a message like this. You ever been in a service? I know I've been in services before. And man, that preacher just start preaching on stuff and he's hitting my life just like he's, he's got a, I got a bullseye on my head and heart. Giving me just what I need. I'm like, wow, he had no, there's no way he could have known what was happening. But God knew. And God was using that man to speak to my heart. I can't tell you how many times I've been riding down the road and man been going through something in my life. It happened just the other day to me. The other morning I was coming home. I'd worked all night. Man, I was just, I went, that my mind was in turmoil about some stuff. That ever happened to you? And a song come on the radio, man. I was listening to Christian radio. It come on the radio and I just, I, I, I cried all the way home because God the Holy Spirit began speaking to my heart just exactly what I needed right through that song. At the right time, at the right place. God knew just what I needed. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting with brothers and sisters in Christ and somebody start talking about how God brought them through a certain situation, not having any idea what I was going through. But in the midst of that, God began saying, if I do it for them, I can do it for you. Amen. And so I'm encouraged and edified by the people of God. I can promise you God's ready to speak if you're ready to listen. Does he speak to the still small voice? Oh, yes. Sure he does. He did it for Elijah. He does it for us. But make sure that still small voice that you hear lines up with what God's word says. Because God will never speak to your heart that which contradicts his word. He said, brother, what are you talking about? I had a man come to me one time. He said, brother, I need to talk to you. I said, all right. So we met after service. 
And while we was meeting, he looked at me and said, God's telling me to leave my wife. He said, I'm not with the one I need to be with. She's not my soulmate, but I found my soulmate, and God's brought her to me. And now God's telling me to leave my wife. I said, brother, I can promise you God's not telling you to leave your wife. Now, you may be wanting to leave your wife. You may have found somebody else that you are infatuated with, but God's not told you to leave your wife. God's not told you to leave your husband. Let me tell you why. Because God's not for divorce. Jesus said it like this. He said, what two God hath put together, let no man put asunder. And so if you think you're hearing from God to leave your wife or leave, God's not doing that. He's not going to tell you something that will contradict his word. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I, hey, listen, I want you to know divorce, um, it happens. And as it happens, God's grace is sufficient. But I'm just telling you, that's not God speaking to hearts in that way. Don't happen that way. So we listen. If you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to listen. If you're going to follow Jesus, you pray, you listen. Let me tell you something else you do. You do it. See, it's through prayer you get direction. It's through the word you get instruction. And it's, listen to me, in the doing, we become obedient. And when we become obedient to what God has said, according to what we've heard, amen, what we've seen, as God has spoken to our hearts, as He's directed us in prayer, we become obedient, and that obedience brings blessing to our life. Isn't that awesome? problem is a lot of times we'll pray about something and God will give us direction on whatever we're praying about and then we don't do it but if we don't do it we can't expect God's best take your Bibles look with me in Psalms 119 look what the psalmist said Psalms 119 and verse number 60 listen to this The Bible says, I made haste. And he said, I delayed not to keep thy commandments. He said, I'm not going to delay in doing what you tell me to do, Lord. Once I find out what you want, once I've heard, once I've listened, and I've heard what you have said, I'm going to make haste and do it. Why? Because this brother knows what we need to understand. That you cannot expect God's best in your life until you do life God's way. You cannot expect God's best in your marriage until you do marriage God's way according to His Word. You cannot expect God's best in your home until you do your home God's way according to, your, to His Word. You cannot expect God's best in your church until you do church God's way according to His Word. But you got to do. Jesus even said, if you will purpose to do what I've told you, God, has, God the Father has promised to bless those who do what I say. Folks, listen. We got to do. We don't do to get saved, but because we are saved, we do. We work out what God has worked in so that men may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. See, there's a lot of things you need to be doing you need to pray about. 
Now, we need to pray, and we need to listen, and then we need to do, but I want you to know something. Don't use prayer as a cop-out. See, God's told you a lot of stuff straight right here in black and white that you need to do and you don't need to do as believers, as followers of Christ. God has said that we should pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. You don't have to ask God whether or not you need to pray. You just need to pray. The Bible says that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. John, John 13, 34, Jesus said, This is the new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, we don't have to pray about whether or not we need to love one another. Show the love of Christ. He told us right here in black and white. You know, you don't have to pray about whether you need to come to church. You just need to come on to church. Hebrews 10, 25 says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When do we assemble? Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's our times of assembly right here at church. And praise God, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be here. Amen. Get faithful. Quit playing games. Quit surviving and just start thriving. Quit getting by. Get real. See, there's some things you ain't got to pray about. Just do it because God said it. And if God said it, it's good for you. Amen. Listen. Do. Pray. Folks. Let's be followers of Jesus that he's pleased with. Everybody stand together. For the disciple, these are three very simple steps that we can apply to our life that will make a difference in how we follow Jesus, that will make us be the disciple he's pleased with. If you're here today and you are a potential disciple, let me tell you what you need to do with just what Jesus said. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. The first step is denying yourself. You've got to realize, I am lost and undone in the free pardon of sin without Christ. And the Bible says then, you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin to make you right with a holy God so that you might have eternal life, abundant life, so that your sins can be forgiven, put as far as the east is from the west, so that your name might be written in the Lamb's book of life. If that's you today and you are a potential disciple, this is your invitation to trust in Jesus. If you are a disciple, you are blood-bought, born-again, sanctified, praise the Lord, are you praying? Are you listening? And are you doing? And if you're not, get it right with the Lord. Today, this morning, be about God's business. He loves you. God's grace is always sufficient for His children. Whatever you need. You need to be saved. Come say, brothers, we need to be saved. You need to rededicate your life as a believer. May that be what you do according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit this morning. You be submissive to God's will. Play for us.